Welcome to Pour Out Ministries podcast. We are so thankful you're listening today. Our prayer for every single listener is that your heart would be awakened for more of Jesus, that the love of the Father would wash over you and the power of the Holy Spirit would burn in you. We love you and we believe you'll be blessed today as you listen to the Word of God. You know, when it comes to praying for the sick, like I've, I'm 100% convinced right now that I, when I was praying earlier, I saw you and I saw, I, I felt the heart of the Lord for you and for your ears and for your eyes. And so tonight we wanted to what give place for the Holy Spirit to actually administer the gift of healing and the gift of miracles over your life. Turn me down, I'm ringing uh, just a little bit, the one that says Ron. Um, the other thing is that I'm learning is we can't be scared of the results. We cannot be scared of the results. He's the healer, not us. But yet we're so scared of the results and the success rate that we actually quit giving him place to do what he wants to do and to actually actually perform the will of the Father. Because we're, we're scared of the success rate. We're scared what man may think if we say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or if we offend somebody or hurt their feelings. God is big enough. He is big enough. Guess what? You're going to hurt somebody's feelings one day by something that you say. But guess what? God is big enough to come in. And as a lot of people say, that the move of God is messy. You know, there will be a mess to clean up when God moves through an area. There's going to be something to clean up. He's going to offend a religious heart. Somebody's, one of his kids are going to misrepresent him. You know, Mylan can take something I say and tell it to someone else, and it may not sound the way that I actually meant it from my heart. But because he's my son, he has that authority, because he's in my house and he hears my voice, he has that authority to say what he hears. And so, I've been learning this week that we can't, ex- we got to, change the what we're expecting and we got to change what uh the way we think god is going to do things and so i'm just going to dive into a couple verses tonight and then uh i am personally and y'all can do what you want after i'm done sharing what i believe the lord wants me to share tonight i'm personally going to stay here for a little while i know my kids probably got to get home but i'm going to worship even if it's just me because i just that's, I feel the Lord just tugging on my heart, and that's what I want to do. So I want you to turn to John chapter 1, verse 38, real quick. I'm going to read it out of the Passion. John chapter 1, verse 38. And Kim... I know that the time thing, I really hope that, I'm, I'm standing in faith with you on that one. 
That one's strange to even me. It's for him? Okay. Well, Mark, take it, man. Uh, uh, it's, yeah, I, I'm taking it too. That's right. Oh, man. Stretch the time, Lord. We sowed a seed of time tonight. So why can't we reap time? All right, John 1, 38, let's read this. Then Jesus turned around, and he saw they were following him, and he asked them, what do you want? I think in another translation, he says, what do you seek? Those are the first words that Jesus spoke in the Gospel of John. What do you want, or what do you seek, depending on what translation you're reading. The very first words that he speaks and it goes, on, it goes on to say this in the Passion. They responded, Rabbi, which means master teacher, where are you staying? Jesus answered, come and discover for yourselves. So they went with him and saw where he was staying. And since it was late in the afternoon, they spent the rest of the day with Jesus. I love that. One of the two disciples who heard John's words and began to follow Jesus was a man named Andrew. I thought this is interesting. Do you know what? The name Andrew means brave. It means brave. He's the first one to follow Jesus. His name means brave. A lot of times when Jesus is showing us something new or he's asking us to follow him in a new direction, it, it takes bravery. And I thought that was so cool that Andrew, he left what John was doing and began to follow Jesus, and his name means brave. Um. So Jesus, one of the two disciples who heard John's words and began to follow Jesus was a man named Andrew, and he went and found his brother Simon and told him, we have found the anointed one, which is translated to Christ. And then Andrew brought Simon to meet him. When Jesus gazed upon Andrew's brother, he prophesied to him, you are Simon and your father's name is John. Wow. But from now on, you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, the rock. Uh, the first words that Jesus spoke in the Gospel of John is, what is it you seek? What is it that you want? And I began to kind of meditate on this question this week. And man, it really messed with me when you really sit down with the Lord and just take some time. And just picture Jesus asking you right now, what is it that you seek? What is it that you want? And it really honestly messed with me because number one, it illuminated the shallowness yeah. of my relationship with him. And number two, it also illuminated motives that may or may not be on the heart of the Father. They may just be selfish desires. And so I began to think about this question. I, I answered them. I said things like, well, if I were to be honest with you, I want you to make my world completely perfect. I want you to make my kids listen 100% of the time. And I want you to make my finances just exploded. Me have enough money where I could just travel the world and do everything I want to do. I mean, for real. What is it that you seek? 
What is it that you want? And I began to understand that this relationship that he's called us into as disciples and as followers, he wants, he wants us to want him. And he wants us to follow him, not for selfish desires, not for selfish motives, but for only kingdom realities. Let me read this footnote to you. Uh, what do you want? This is the first recorded saying in, of Jesus in the Gospels. It is a question that should be asked to every follower of Jesus. What do you want in following me? Do you want something only for yourself, your ministry, answer to prayer, or do you simply want to be with him? Their answer, where are you staying, was, was their answer. When he said, what do you want? They said, where are you staying? Shows they were only seeking him. The first question God asked to Adam and Eve, I thought this was so cool, was where are you? Where are you? And the first question that man asked to the Son of God was, where are you? Where are you staying? And Jesus led them to, to, to where he was staying at, and they stayed the rest of the day. So now I'll turn to Matthew 4.17. I'm going to try to tie two verses into just that phrase, what do you seek? Matthew 4.17 and then also you can flip to Mark chapter 1 verse 14 and hold your finger there if you want. But in Matthew 4:17 it says this, from that time on Jesus began to proclaim his message with these words, keep turning away. I love how it says keep. Keep turning away from your sins and come back to God for heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible or heaven's kingdom is at hand what does that mean heaven's kingdom is so close that you can touch it it's right there so healing for ears and eyes is where mr tommy it's right here you can we can touch it because of the blood of jesus i'm gonna keep saying it until you start running around the room because you can hear but <laughs> uh it's right here that's the message that Jesus came preaching was the heaven's kingdom realm is right here. Yes. It's right here. So what do you say? Keep turning away. Keep turning away from your sins and come towards heaven's kingdom realm. The word in Mark in Mark chapter one, verse 14. Let's turn there real quick because it says it a little bit different. Same type of thing. And this is really what I want to focus on tonight for a few more minutes. Mark 1, verse 14 says this, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at where? Hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This was Jesus' message. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now repent and believe in the gospel. And we know the gospel means what? Good news. Repent and believe in the good news. What does it have to say? Change 
Repent means what? Change the way you think. Mm -hmm. It means metanoia. The Greek word metanoia means to change the way you think. Change the way you think. And when the Lord began to ask me the question this week and begin to highlight what do you seek? It began to really take me back into this place of changing the way I think. Of changing completely the direction that I'm walking. Changing completely the things that I'm focused on. Changing completely the way that I'm praying. Changing completely how I view certain verses and certain scriptures. Changing completely the way I view the world and the world system. Changing completely the way that I love people. I mean, even this night tonight, I've, I've come in here almost on every Sunday night we've had this year. I've come in here and I'm just geared up. I'm like, God's going to bring more people and God's going to pour out his spirit. But tonight, the Lord really sat me down and says, what is it that you seek tonight? And I said, Lord, what is it that you seek tonight? And what he did, he began to show me every face that's been coming. He began to show me every single person. And he said, if they're here, that's who's on my heart tonight as you worship. You're on his heart. You're on his heart. Don't, we don't have to focus on everything else. Because if we're focusing on everything else, it's going to bring us into that place of striving, frustration. It's going to bring us into that place of unrest. But if we focus on what he's doing and we begin to see what he's doing, we can stay in a place of rest and stay in a place of peace. Then everything else that happens in the kingdom, guess what I've been learning? It happens unexpectedly. Do you, let me ask you, or do you think the Virgin Mary expected to give birth to Jesus? Mom and Dad, do you think Zechariah and Elizabeth Expected at that age to give birth to John the Baptist? No. You expect, well, did you expect that Peter laying on the roof at prayer time expected to see a sheep being lowered down from heaven with unclean animals on it and hear an audible voice say, Peter, arise, kill and eat? No, he didn't expect it. He did not expect it. He said, surely not, Lord. I won't eat anything unclean. And the Lord said, call nothing unclean that I have made clean. And around that time, men from the Gentiles' house showed up and looked for him. And he wasn't expecting that either. Everything in the kingdom happens unexpectedly. And that's why it's important for us to change the, change the way that we think. Turn to John 6 real quick. I'm just going to kind of fly through this because, like I said, I'm going to go back in time of worship. John 6. Let's do this. Verse. Verse 5. As Jesus sat down, this is the story about the, the multiplying of the bread and the fish. As Jesus sat down, he looked out, and he saw the massive crowd of people scrambling up the hill, for they wanted to be near him. So he turned to Philip and said this, 
Where will we buy enough food to feed all of these people? Now Jesus already knew what he was about to do, but he said this to stretch Philip's faith. And I have a note right here next to that. It says, change the way that you think. Philip answered, well, I suppose if we were to give everyone only a snack, it would cost thousands of dollars to buy enough food. Let's pause there for a second. What did Philip do? Jesus asked him a question. Jesus knew what he was going to do already, but the Bible says this, he did it to stretch the way Philip was thinking. Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he asked Philip the question anyway. And the first thing Philip did was he turned to the natural realm. Yeah, yeah. It's the first thing he did. And what the Lord is beginning to do in me and wanting to continue to do in me is to teach me to automatically turn not this way like I'm used to doing, right. but turn this way. Mm-hmm. Change the way you think. Keep reading just a little bit. Philip answered, well, suppose if we were to give everyone only a snack, it would cost thousands of dollars to buy enough food. But just then, Andrew, Peter's brother, spoke up and said, look, here's a young person with five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far would that go with this huge crowd? Jesus says, have everyone sit down. So on the vast grassy slope, more than 5,000 hungry people sat down. Jesus then took the barley loaves and the fish and gave thanks to God. That's another key for me right now. We talked about it at the beginning. Giving thanks to God. Taking what you have and giving thanks to God. Does something in the supernatural realm that multiplies what he gave you and it actually touches more people than you could ever imagine. The kingdom, the kingdom, Matthew 13, turn there too real quick. Oh man, I just made a connection in my head that I didn't make while I was writing this down. Man. Matthew 13, turn to verse 31 in Matthew 13. Is anyone getting anything out of this tonight? Absolutely. Okay. Matthew 13, 31. Then Jesus taught them another parable. Heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to the tiny mustard seed that a man takes and plants in his field. Although the smallest of all of the seeds, it eventually grows into the greatest of garden plants, becoming a tree for birds to come and build their nest in its branches. Verse 33, then he taught them another parable. Heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to yeast that a woman takes and blends into three measures of flour and then waits until all the dough has risen. I'm going to read a footnote to you real quick on this. It says, These two parables about the tiny mustard seed and the yeast both teach us of God's kingdom having a small beginning 
but growing until its influence permeates and prevails into all of the earth. The three measures are three seas of flour was nearly 22 kilos, enough to feed 300 people. What once looked unimpressive rises to impact and feed many. The number three always points to resurrection life. I love that. We have to get infiltrated with the leaven of the kingdom. Our thinking has to get infiltrated with the leaven of the kingdom. What happens is when he comes to us and says, what are you seeking? Is our thinking has been compromised. Our faith has been compromised. Our expectation has been compromised. And he's looking, he wants to give you the kingdom. He wants to pour out blessings on us. He wants to heal our bodies. He wants to touch other people through our lives and through our obedience. But when we have the wrong expectation, he can't move. When we think the wrong way, he can't move. He's looking for us to come into alignment with the way that he thinks. And I can prove it by what he came and began to preach. He, Jesus came preaching what? The kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. But how do you access it? Repent. What does repent mean again? Change the way you think. Change your mind. We have to allow his work. This on Monday, I always make one Mr. Tom comment, Miss Jan, so you can tell him. I told him this this week. On Monday, I woke up and the Lord said, turn everything off and devour the word. I said, okay. So normally, my, I read a lot of the word. I read a lot. I have a lot of books going on at a time that I'm bouncing back and forth. And I have a lot of podcasts, things that I listen to, a lot of, a few voices. I wouldn't say a lot, a few voices that I'm constantly tapped into. But on Monday this week, I turned everything off and I devoured the word. I just, I mean, it was audio Bible or read straight reading all week long and you know what it really highlighted some interesting things in my world the word of God is alive and it's sharper than any double edged sword and it's able to penetrate even bone and marrow and spirit and soul and it's the washing of the water of the word that just begins to fall on you when you're taking in this precious word of God that's able to rebuke and correct and instruct and give life. When you're taking in that word, it, it's literally the manna of God. Man shall not live on bread alone, but what? But on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And it hit me as I'm going through Matthew and I'm going through Mark. And I even found things on the TV I didn't know were there. You know, you can watch an illustrated word-for-word -word gospel of Mark on the TV. The gospel of Matthew, the gospel of John. You can put it on when you go to bed and just let the word of God wash over you. And as I'm listening to the word this week, he began to highlight things to me. Like one of the things I thought was interesting this week was how... 
the devil and Jesus. And I've been knowing this for years, but it just, I saw it in a different light this week. The temptation of Jesus, the devil's using the word of God, but yet Jesus is using the word of God too. And as I was going through that account in the different gospels, it's like the Lord highlighted it to me. And even in my own life, he said, have you allowed the enemy to twist any of my words? Because the enemy was coming to Jesus with what? The word of God. But Jesus knew the word and was able to come back at him. We have to, that's why Peter says we have to test the spirits. And that's why the, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is discerning of spirits. Because the enemy is sly. He will try to use the word of God and twist it to fulfill his divisive plans. And one of the things that I, I always tell myself is the word of God is never to be used as an argument. I don't argue with this book. I don't argue with it. If you want to argue with me about it, I'm not going to argue back. If you see something a certain way, I'm going to bless you. And I'm either going to agree or I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm not going to use this book as an argument. And it's not to pound any, a sinner on the head either. This word is precious and it's used to draw people to the Father. I just began to let that water wash over me this week, and it was, I, it was amazing. It's like a waterfall all week, just of the Word of God. It was beautiful. And uh, I got totally sidetracked. But, okay. man, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Uh, change the way you think. Romans. I believe it's Romans 10 or Romans 12. Somebody can look it up and help me. Let's turn there. We'll find it. Mm -mm. Yeah. 12 I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. It just sounds cool to say. Yeah? Sometimes you read things like that, you know, I can, I mean... That's another language to me. I beseech you, therefore. Uh, let's read the footnote on that. Urge. Urge. Like that. That sounds more like my vocabulary. I urge. So, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Love that. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do, we re how do we renew our mind? With the washing of the water of the word. By devouring this book and allowing it to penetrate our mind in the way we think. 
And another thing that the Lord's been messing with me on is when it does come to the way that the world thinks in the way that the Word of God tells us to think, start being bold on that again. Because people, you know, I, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It, when you're in a conversation, even with a friend, or at, in the workplace, or at the grocery store, or you overhear a conversation, start being bold to take the word of the Lord and put it into the conversation. Take the renewing of the mind, the way that you think, and put it into the conversation. Because people, we, we think that fear of man is so strong. It's so strong because we'll be in a situation in life and we don't think like that person thinks, but yet we just let them keep going. Yeah. We just let them keep talking. We just let them keep on rambling. And we walk away from the conversation and we never reveal the word of truth to them. We'll be held accountable for that. Yeah? Lord, when did we see you? Where? In prison. When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you hungry? When you did it unto the least of these, you did it unto me. And so it's our responsibility once this word gets in us to let it out too and to let it flow. And so my challenge to us tonight is this. When it comes to the, the kingdom, the way he's going to do it is probably not the way that we expect it. Just saying. I mean, I've devoured the word this week and that's what I, that's what I came out with is the way he's going to do it is probably not the way that we're going to expect it. I mean, even the ones closest to him, they struggle with, with the way he would do things. They struggle with the way that he would, he would treat people and the way he would act and the way he would love certain individuals. The way he did things was so contrary to the way that, that they thought. And I'm not going to be prideful enough to sit back for the, the remainder of my life and just think that I have it all figured out and that I know the way that God thinks and I know the way that he does things and, and, and that I'm closer to him. You know, the chosen's really been funny for me because it's like Peter, uh, Peter's been revealing some things to me, man. <laughs> He's like, he's like, God, man, when he showed his butt the other night, when he went off on Matthew, I wept, I wept, because I've been that guy, where I just, man, I have opened my mouth, and just let, let it flow, and I've been that guy, and uh, I just encourage us that I'm not trying to get you to change the way you think so that you think like me. I'm trying to get you to change the way that you think so that you think like him. The mind of Christ, yes. We have the mind of Christ. We have to walk in it. We have to operate in it. It's so important. So, so important. The other thing I, I feel... 
Thank you for listening to today's message. Make sure to stay connected through following us on Facebook or visiting our website at pouroutministries.com. If you would like to sow into what God is doing through Pour Out Ministries, there will be a link in the description below. We hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time on the podcast. Thank you.